Welcome to the Lift Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is the greatest lift in life. We are so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will give you a lift of encouragement through this message. We're in a series called Living the Dream. And it's all about um, uh, our culture is totally wrapped up in trying to live their best life. Come on. We know somebody um, who's doing this. In fact, I was at a um, pastor's retreat this past week talking to some other pastors, and I had no idea that this exists. Did you know some people are so obsessed with living their best life and posting about it that they have come up with a website called fakevacation.com. For $39.99, you could go ahead and send your photo of you in. And if you could not go on vacation, maybe you got sick, or maybe your vacation wasn't as lavish as you'd like to uh, make your coworkers and friends believe, you can, for $39.99, send them a picture of you at like some wedding. And they will Photoshop you on a Hawaii beach or any destination you want so that some people, are just walking in and posting this on their social network feed or walking in after a staycation going, come on, look where I was today. Do I look like I got a tan? Like, it looks a little orange, but you're right. It looks like you're on a beach. But anyway, come on. Listen, we are, have, we're in a society that's trying to live their best life. And there's nothing wrong with that except if you do it without Jesus Christ, you're going to find that the promise is empty. That's what we talked about in week one, because you were called to something higher. You were knit together in your mother's womb for something greater. And so last week I talked about the fame factor. If you missed it, make sure you check out our YouTube channel um, or, or our podcast or anywhere where you get podcasts. You can listen to that throughout the week or share it with your friends. But today I'm going to talk about a message that makes me uncomfortable and it might make you uncomfortable. I'm talking about the pursuit of comfort. Okay, and so we all drift towards comfort. Every single one of us. This is an equal opportunity message. In fact, let me prove it to you. How many, how many married uh, uh, couples up in here? Come on, if you're married, hold your hand up. Y'all shout it up for all of our married people up in here. Come on, celebrate marriage right now. Come on. I'm so grateful for all the marriages um, in here, but let me just, uh, I'm sorry, I just set you up because let me illustrate how we all drift towards comfort. You know that before you got married, come on, man. You 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 were you were suave. Come on, you were you were you were getting out your paper and pen, and you were uh, you know writing poetry. Come on, you were making things rhyme that you you you'd read today and go, what was I thinking? Come on, but somehow that kind of wooed her. You you know you knew where the flower shop was. You were broke, come spend all this money on fine dining and stuff like that. And then today you're like, y'all want to go Bird King? Come on, <laughs> right? Ladies, you're not off the hook. Come on, you remember, you, you, you dressed to impress. You're like, come on, I've spent two and a half hours getting my hair all right, making sure the curls are just perfect, it's memorable. He remembers that. You got the, the, you got the fine stuff on, you know, we're going to make this memorable. You, you know what I'm saying? And, and you showing up, and you got his eyes, and then today it's like, hey, you want to go on a date? And he gets, he's happy if he gets yoga pants and an oversized sweatshirt. You know what I'm talking about? You're just like, come on, date night, baby, let's go let's go because hey whether it's that which is a little bit funny or or other things we naturally as human beings we drift towards comfort if we're not aware of it then we will miss out on some of the things that God has called us to do with our lives and to become and so um, I remember as I 
was reading about a month or two ago in 1 John chapter 2, I read this scripture and I knew that this whole series had to be the next thing we talked about. Now, I'm going to warn you, this, this, as I read this scripture, I was a bit of like, bro, the writer is just gut punching you a little bit, okay? So embrace yourself, get the abs tight, here we go, we can handle it, tell you, say, I can handle it. Some of you are like, I think, anyway, this is written by John, nobody knew or followed Jesus closer than John did. He was one of Jesus' closest disciples. In fact, there was very few things that John wasn't an eyewitness to Jesus in. And here's what 1 John chapter 2, he writes. He writes, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not love the Father in you. Ouch. I'm thinking, come on, easy now, John. Like, Just because I... Just because I love me some McDonald's fries means that I do not have the love of the Father in me. Just because I like carrying around a nice purse. Just because I like some things of comfort. Now listen, we'll, we'll, we'll explain it a little bit more. But he says, if you get caught up in the world, you're not having the Father. And we've talked to uh, the love of the Father in you. We've talked a lot in this series, if you've missed it, um, about you can either choose the world or you can choose Jesus. And, and, and the world has empty promises. But he goes on to say this. For the world offers three things. The world offers a craving for physical pleasure. You're like, yeah, I know what he's talking about. A craving for everything we see. I got that bug too. Come on. And a pride in our achievements and possessions. We got that one too. How many three for three like the pastor? Right? This is what the world offers us. And what I find is the first two deal with comfort. It's, it's, it's the, the craving for physical pleasure and a craving for everything we see. And the last one we'll talk about next week. So tell your neighbor we can't miss. Come on, preach to him. We can't miss. You're giving them godly habits up in here. And, and, and listen, he says, these three things are not from the Father. They are from this world. And anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So there's the life that's called living the dream. There's a promise of life, but it's in God's way, not the world's way. And I rewrote those first two like this. Comfort is putting our physical needs and everything we see first. Comfort is putting our physical needs and everything we see first. Now let me remind you at the head of this message that anything you put ahead of God is idolatry. It becomes our God, our lowercase g God, it becomes what we put our greatest hope in. If I can have that because I can see it and it looks good for me, if I can have that, everything will be okay. I'll be living the dream. That is idolatry. And so we got to be careful that as we walk the walk that we do today, that we don't kill the God's dream in our life and we truly live our best life because God made you on purpose for a purpose. So you tracking with me? Say amen. All right, that's the very churchy thing to say, so I like that, all right? So why is comfort such a killer? Well, it reveals two things in our lives when we get super comfortable. Number one, it, it, it reveals our spiritual emptiness, almost like we don't have a purpose or a mission. 
We all know that a soldier on mission during wartime, his first or his or her first thought is not comfort. <laughs> Where can I find comfort? No, when they're on mission, then there is a purpose behind what they're doing. And I find when I am not on mission, I get slothful. It's just the human nature. I get lazy. I get selfish. I get thinking about myself. But when I get on his mission, there's always a level of uncomfortability to it. If anybody else has had that, say, come on. I know what you're talking about. And in Luke chapter 16, Jesus told a story where he he illustrated what the life uh, built on comfort looks like. He says, there are two men. There's a rich man over here. Um, He's got all the pleasures in the world. In fact, the scripture says this, that he was splendidly clothed who lived in luxury every single day. He said there was also a poor man named Lazarus. He had ailments. He had injuries. He had needs. He was broke. He was hurting. He, He was desperate. And he lived outside of the rich man's gates. And he would beg every single day. Now, the Bible says that both of them die. This is what Jesus is telling the story. He says, both of them die, and they go to their eternal states. This rich man who lived for comfort and himself ended up in hell where he was tormented, and it was hot. In fact, it was so hot that it describes him looking up towards heaven and seeing none other than Lazarus, the the, the poor Lazarus who begged all the time, standing next to Abraham. That's interesting because Abraham is the father of our faith. And so Lazarus is standing next to the father of our faith. And and the poor, I'm sorry, the rich man yells up, hey, Abraham, I'm dying down here. I'm parched. I'm in total torment. Would you let Lazarus just dip his hand? By the way, how the heck did he get up to heaven? Come on, that's, would you just let him dip his hand in water and just drop a drop down to my tongue, help a brother out? I am in torment and in my eternal state. And Jesus says that Abraham replied to him, um, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted. You lived for yourself. You lived for comfort. And Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. In other words, we can see that comfort is not the answer. The world around us tells us that comfort is the answer. But we see that it's not that. In fact, I wrote this down. Comfort can cloud your heavenly calling. This rich man got so comfortable that it actually clouded his heavenly calling. I like to say it like this, that we all have a phone with volume knobs on it, okay? And when we get too comfortable, it's almost like we just turn down God's voice in our life. Start saying, I don't need your help. I got it from here. I'm smart enough. I got enough money. I'm comfortable enough. I could do whatever I want to do. Thank you for your help, but I got it from here. And we turn down God's voice. Comfort can cloud our heavenly calling. But I think discomfort does the other thing. Because you know when you get discomfortable, you start turning God's voice up in your life. You start going, God, I need a healing. God, I need a breakthrough in my marriage. God, I need a word from you. God, I need help with my kids. God, I need a breakthrough at work. God, I need to hear your voice. God, I need a purpose. And we find, C.S. Lewis said, that it is the pains in life. It's the discomfort 
that causes us to get closest to God. We have to remember that a life built exclusively on comfort decreases God's voice. In fact, the rich man said, um, God, I missed your voice as comfortable as I was, but could you send Lazarus? Could you send him to my brothers, to my family, to my boys? Could you send it to the other people in my life who are really comfortable and warn them so they don't end up in the same place? And, 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 and Abraham said this, we did this when we sent the prophets Elijah. We did this when we sent Moses to you. We did this when we sent the son of Jesus Christ to you, and you did not listen to him because you were so comfortable in your high tower. Comfort is not the answer as the world tells us it is. The other thing that comfort does is it kills, how it kills is number two, it eliminates our need for faith. When we get comfortable, we don't need God very much, do we? Come on, I, I, I know... When we were launching this church, let me tell you a little bit about how it happened. My wife and I, before we ever met, we received a call independently that we would be pastors one day, and God had a call on our life. That was back in 2003, so when 2004 rolled around and this beautiful woman walked into my life, I said, hello, come on, got my pen out, writing some poetry, come on, listen, yeah, I was working it in my corduroy khakis, come on, somebody give, give a brother a shout out, come on, she, she does not remember anything else except my corduroy khakis and my, my brown curls, baby, come on, let's go, listen, the curls had to make up for the khakis, okay, anyway, she just, I cannot believe you wore those, I'm on Throwback Sunday. That's so funny. Anyway, so funny. Ha ha. Okay. <laughs> I remember talking to my wife on the second phone call, just knowing, listen, uh, I just know what God's called me to do. If you're not signed up for that call, it doesn't make you Christian, uh, not Christian or a bad person. I just know that I have to have a certain type of person. And so I was about to say that on phone call number two. When my wife picked it up and said, before we go any further, let's not waste any time. I know I'm called to be a pastor's wife. If you're not called to be a pastor, then we might as well just hang this thing up. And I thought, you just beat me to my hyper unique statement. <laughs> I said, game on. Let's go. All right. So anyway, we always knew that we would be lead pastors one day we just knew it was a call so we were we were preparing ourselves for decades some of y'all are always in a rush for your calling can i tell you that this was back in 2003 and we didn't launch this church until 2019 okay don't be in such a rush all the time just prepare yourself and we were preparing ourselves but i wanted the path of comfort <laughs> i remember telling god you called me to preach and i've got giftings but none of them are to speak in fact, I'm not comfortable speaking. I get, I get uncomfortable with it. And so I told God, this was your idea, not mine. In fact, one of the things that I do to deal with discomfort every single time I preach, because this is my calling, so apply it to your calling, is I actually get on my knees before I come out here every time. And I say, God, this was not my natural gifting. I'm not very good at it unless you show up. So if this sucks, it's on you, because this was your idea. If this is great, it's on you. You get all the glory, good or bad, because this was your idea, not mine. I will just submit to your calling. 
And so I step into the uncomfortability. Well, I remember I wanted the path of comfort towards lead pastor. And so after, uh, after serving for a long time, we said, let it be transition, God, because there's an established church with people who are already excited about it. And, and, and that would be much easier. And God said, that's not my plan for you. And it didn't happen that way. Then we got offered to revitalize a church because there are a lot of amazing churches around here. And the offer came and I thought, God, that would be great because there's an established congregation and there's a building. And that would be so much more comfortable if we could just do it that way. And God showed us very clearly, that's not the plan I have for you. So then we were like, it's going to be portable. <laughs> it's going to mean 4.45 a.m. waking up. But it's the call, and there ain't no people. <laughs> like, this is just the call. And, but we said we, we say yes to the uncomfortability. And, and God has been faithful to build his church and to do very clearly what God has called us to do. I don't want you to miss your calling because you say, God, that would be too uncomfortable for me. I'm sure Peter had an argument when Jesus said, come out of the boat. This seat in the boat is pretty comfortable. I believe you, Jesus. I'm just going to chill right here. You made your point, all right? I follow you, right? I bet he could have done that, but he made him get uncomfortable and step outside of the boat. We can't live God's dream for our lives, chronically living for comfort. In fact, one denomination approached us when they knew we were going to launch. I think this is a fantastic denomination. I don't have any theological differences with them, and I have a lot of friends in there. And they approached me, and they said uh, to us, and they said, you're going to launch a church? We'll give you an exorbitant amount of money to do it. And we knew it would take a lot. And I remember telling my wife, this is great. God's totally behind it. We won't even have to have any faith. And as I said the word faith, I heard it just for like you know, 13 seconds coming out of my ears because I knew God said, it's impossible to please me without faith. When I found myself going, this is going to be so great, it's going to be so comfortable, I realized that's not what God's called us to do. And you too have to wrestle with the calling God's got on your life and it's not always going to be comfortable. We got to live a life that, that does not eliminate our faith. And by the way, so let me say it like this. So a little comfort is good, but a lifestyle is bad. A little comfort's good, a lifestyle is bad. And by the way, many of y'all know we're building a, a church building right now. Come on, it's very exciting. The old Gander Mountain is now our new home. We got a blue out there roof going on, and, and, and work is being done, and permitting's happening. But can I be very clear? That we are not building a building to get comfortable. We are building a building to be positioned to be more commissioned than ever. Okay, it can be easy to start thinking, oh, well, then I won't have to wake up early and there won't be as much need. And, and the dream team can think, oh, our job's done. We're finally in the building and we sit down and we get comfortable. That's not what we're called to do. We're going to be commissioned. We say, God, this is a tool for you to use. God, however you want it to be used, let's go. We didn't sign up for this so that we could get comfortable. In fact, these seats are so stinking comfortable, they're going to be hard to match. I've heard some of your requests. Some of your requests are make sure the seats rock and they have cup holders in them. And I was like, you listened to the message today? Okay, anyway, no. <laughs> Hard iron metal seats from now. No, 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 no. Comfort's good. It's just not a lifestyle. Not a lifestyle of comfort. Okay, so 
Um, and I'm excited to update you that once we complete the wall that separates us from Robinson's, it's completed on their side, but we haven't completed it because of the electric that goes in. Once we do, it will trigger a negotiation in our contract that, that we will receive an additional $150,000 towards our renovation, which will surpass the minimum $1 million we need, come on, to build this place. That's because of your faithful giving. Now, I want to tell you, inflation is a beast right now, okay? And so right now, things are, are continuing to rise. So realistically, it's probably going to take closer to $1.2 million to do what we have in mind. And here's the thing, that only about $150,000 is left, and I know God is going to provide. Come on. So if you want to be a part of sowing into it, or if you know somebody who wants to sow into it, please do just understand this, that when you sow into the building, you're not sowing into comfort. You're sowing into commission. You're sowing into the great commission God gave us. So you might be asking now, Pastor Drew, are you saying I should not ever get comfortable? I should never have a vacation. I should never have a nice purse. I should never have nice things. No. In fact, I would say Jesus rested plenty of times. He went to festivals and he went to parties. He went to wedding festivities. He had a good time. It wasn't like, I'm a suffering man all the time. And all the kids were like, let's go see the suffering man. No, he always had kids coming to him, all right? So it, it, I feel like he gave us a few boundaries, though. Number one, he made comfort a season, not a lifestyle. He made comfort a season, not a lifestyle. In fact, if he wanted to be comfortable... Uh, uh, most theologians believe he, he was crucified at the age of 33 years old. That brother was a young man with a lot to live. He could have lived comfortable in the Sea of Galilee, which is north of Jerusalem, where he grew up. If you look at most of his childhood activity, it's in Capernaum. It's by the Sea of Galilee. This is where he operated. But the Bible says that when he knew his time was coming, that he resolutely set his face like flint towards Jerusalem, knowing that the moment I set in Jerusalem, a ticking time bomb starts before they crucify me. And he chose not comfort, but his calling. Come on. In fact, that's the second one. Choose calling over comfort. The prophet Isaiah said about Jesus before he was ever born, before we ever knew his name, the prophet Isaiah prophesied this about him. He said, I, in other words, Jesus, offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting because the sovereign Lord helps me. How many of y'all believe the sovereign Lord can help you today? Come on, let me see your hand up in the air. If you believe the sovereign Lord can help you today, well, then you're in good company because Jesus believed that and said, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. And I will, um, he says, and I know I will not be put to shame. In other words, I'm not going to live here in comfort. I'm going to live what I was called to do. P the uh, Apostle Paul did this too. He Crucified, he stoned people. He martyred people who believed in Jesus until he had a revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. And then what did he do? He said two times people prophesied to him, don't go to Jerusalem. If you go to Jerusalem, they will kill you. And he said, you have prophesied correctly, but my calling is not to stay here in comfort. God has called me to go to Jerusalem. And he said this, I'm ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of y'all are getting uncomfortable with this message right now? 
I'm raising my hand. When it was clear that they could not persuade him, they gave up and they said, let the Lord's will be done then. Because he's not going to live a life of comfort and relinquishing what's hard. So here's the third boundary. Comfort's not the goal. Christ glorified is. Comfort's not the goal. Christ glorified is. So what do we do? Let me try to give you quickly three things that you can do to apply this message. You're like, as soon as you can wrap this one up, this, this message is difficult. I get it, right? Uh, here's three things we can do. Number one, pray for spiritual awakening. When we are fully alive in Christ, we step into uncomfortable things. We, we, we live fully alive, spiritually alive, readily embrace discomfort. Like the little boy David who could have just said, my job is to deliver crackers and cheese to my older brothers. Then I go home safely to my father's house where I ain't going to die. All right? Instead, whenever the, the giant Goliath came out and started taunting God's people, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? How many people talk like that today? <laughs> Who's this uncircumcised Philistine? And people are going, hey, no, 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 David. You, you like, he like really big and you like itty big. Come on, like, he's killed a lot of people and eaten people like you for lunch. This is not going to be a comfortable scene. And he said, I didn't sign up for comfort. If he's going to talk about my God that way, give me a sword and I will cut his head off too. People became uncomfortable with how comfortable he was stepping into uncomfortability. Acts 1, 18, uh, Acts 1 verse 8 says this. You, point to your neighbor and say you. You will receive, say this word with me, power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power to what? Sit and click? I got the power of the Lord. <laughs> Make sure <laughs> I catch what's on TV. No, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. But to make a lifestyle out of it is not what you've been given power for. He says, you will be my witnesses. It's never comfortable being a witness. It's a little challenging at times. Telling people about me everywhere. So pray this, God, give me a greater revelation of you and my purpose. Number two, visit comfort, but reside at calling. Visit comfort, but reside at calling. It's like this, your life is a house. Your life has a mailbox where you live. You get to decide what address is going to go on your mailbox. You can fill in comfort. And by the way, today that sounds really good. This house is a place of sanctity. This house is a place of unconditional love. This house, no one is judged in this house. This house, all are welcome. That sounds very comfortable, and there is nothing wrong with that. But I think it's even better to, instead of making your address comfort, make your address calling. I'm going to live at calling. Oh, brother, I will visit comfort. I hope to visit comfort always, but I'm not going to make it my home. I'm not going to make it my goal. I'm not going to make it what I'm after. What I'm after is my calling. I will enjoy comfort, but I'm going to live in calling. Come on. Um, I like what Mark Batterson says. He says, quit living as if the purpose to life is to arrive safely at death. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. That's not the purpose God's given you. Oh, you made it safely. No, his, he says, I made you on purpose 
to do good works which I have prepared in advance for you to do. And it might make you a little uncomfortable, but you'll be living your best life. I got a plan. You're going to make a difference. You're not just going to make a difference that goes away in 10 years. You're not just going to make a difference that gets erased in 45 years. You're going to make a difference that marks heaven and hell and people's souls forever. In fact, I say it this way. Whether you're most comfortable carrying Gucci or goodwill, the only thing you can carry to heaven are souls. So I'm not busting on you if you prefer Gucci, and I'm not busting on you if you prefer goodwill. I'm just saying instead of focusing on carrying those things, focus on carrying souls with you to heaven because only those can follow you up there. Come on, I want to live residing at calling. And then number three, get comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, there are different versions of the cross. The one that most of us are familiar with is called the Protestant cross. It is this image right here. It's the cross we have all become accustomed to. Jesus is not hanging on it because after three days of hanging on it, he is alive. He rose again. He is alive. Come on. He is not dead. He's surely alive. Living on the inside. Roaring like a lion. Somebody finish that with me. We love this cross. I love this cross. There's also a second cross. It's one I discovered in February uh, of this year when I was in Israel. I got to go to Bethlehem, and I saw this hanging over a church where they believed Jesus was born. And they call it the Jerusalem cross. And I said, what's going on with this cross? It looks a little Celtic. It looks a little Celtic if you want to make it a hard C instead of an S. Come on, whatever pleases you. And they said, this cross reminds us that it's all about Jesus. And that you are in the center of everything that's written in this book. You are standing in the center of it right now in Israel. But God gave us a great commission to take that message and to go out into all the world. And so you see little crosses going into the north, south, east, and west reminding you it does not just stay here. It is called to go out because it's the greatest message ever told. And I said, that's becoming my new favorite cross. I dig that thing. Some of y'all are like Googling it. I need one of those hanging up on my wall. Come on. It'll look pretty over my window. I agree. Put it over your doorpost to remind you, you got to get a little uncomfortable today. Can I share with you a cross that sometimes we don't embrace readily enough? It's called the Catholic cross. It's a cross that has Jesus still hanging on it. Because what he signed up to do was to deliver us from our sins. And it was not comfortable. It was not pretty. It was excruciating. It was painful. And a man who could have lived in plush comfort into the thrones of heaven for all of eternity decided to give up his deity to take on humanity so that you and I's sins that make us uncomfortable can be resolved by him taking on the greatest uncomfort of all times. He hung on the cross. And this is what he, Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24. Whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In fact, write this down. We are off calling when we're chronically comfortable. I think we're off calling when we're chronically comfortable. Because God's got a plan for us. And no matter how you slice it, it involves taking your cross and following him. We can't buy the lie that comfort is the dream. In fact, I said I wrote it this way and then I'll close. Comfortable Christianity doesn't invite 
Comfortable Christianity doesn't give God his 10% back. Comfortable Christianity doesn't give sacrificially. Comfortable Christianity doesn't fast. It doesn't go into all the world. It doesn't believe by faith. It doesn't build an ark. It doesn't leave your homeland and go to the promised land you have not yet seen. It doesn't face down the Pharaoh. It doesn't stare down Jezebel. It doesn't enter into Nineveh. It doesn't slay the giant. It doesn't pray forgiveness for those who are actively stoning you. And it doesn't give their life to save the sins of the world. Comfortable Christianity doesn't do that takes us getting a little bit uncomfortable to do that all that God has called us to do in this word no matter how uncomfortable it makes you the gospel includes getting comfortable with the uncomfortable so I'm inviting you right now would you close your eyes the Holy Spirit is here and he speaks uniquely just to you and so I want you to ask the Holy Spirit the answer to this question What step of uncomfortability is your faith waiting for you to take next? What step of uncomfortability is your step, is your faith waiting for you to take next? For some of you, it might be tithing. You're like, what is that? That means God said, I gave you 100%. All I ask in return is that you would honor me with the first 10%. I remember the first time I heard that, I said, say what? I'm way more comfortable dropping a 20 in there, but it doesn't represent 10%. That makes me uncomfortable. But I want to tell you that God has blessed my wife and I since the day we started tithing. He's always taking care of our needs. Maybe your next step is water baptism. You believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior. He's forgiven you of your sins, but you're uncomfortable with getting baptized in front of other people. Maybe that's your next step of faith. Maybe your next step is to join the dream team. And you think, Pastor Drew, waking up this early is uncomfortable. It took all that it takes just to get here at the 1015 on time. Don't you know a sister needs help? But maybe it's the step of faith that your faith is asking you to take next. Maybe it's waking up Monday through Saturday a little bit earlier so that you can have one-on-one, uninterrupted, undisturbed Bible time just with God. And you're like, that's going to make me uncomfortable to lose sleep. But maybe your faith is asking for you for it. Maybe it's to share what God's done for you to someone who needs to hear about it. Let's all get uncomfortable together. God, I pray over your people. Father, this wasn't a comfortable message, but it is your message. And so, Father, I know that you will equip us. I know that you will fulfill us. I know that you will give us joy in the meantime. Father, we've preached about joy before. Joy is part of it. But, Father, there's more joy not being in slothful, but being on call. And so, Father, I pray that whatever you've challenged us with, that we would have the confidence to take that next step. I believe lives are going to be changed. I believe callings are going to be given. I believe purpose is going to be disclosed. I believe, Father, that you are going to make a difference in workplaces and in families. I believe marriages are going to be restored and I believe kids lives are going to be impacted because we didn't live for comfort we lived for calling in Jesus name I pray and with every head bowed every eyes still closed no one's looking around some of you are wrestling with the fact that you've got sin in your life that makes you uncomfortable in the presence of God the Holy Spirit is here right now and he did not come to condemn you He did not, even online, he did not come to make you feel guilty. What he wants to do is say, hey, I've got a plan for your guilt. 
Jesus Christ took the cross, the uncomfortable cross, so that you can be released of your, all your guilt and shame. He wants to deal with that today. Don't leave this place without asking God to forgive you of your sins. Here's what Jesus did for us in Isaiah. It says, because of your sins, he was wounded, beaten because of the evil I did. We are healed by the punishment he suffered, made whole by the blows he received. Without anyone looking around, I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you, but I don't want you to be embarrassed in saying, God, I want you to forgive me. I've messed up, and I'm asking you for a new start. If that's you, and you say, I need a new start, would you throw your hands in the air real quickly, high up in the air so I can see you, and then you can put it down. Yes, yes. Thank you up at the top. Thank you. Yes, yes, I see you. Thank you in the middle. Yeah, I see you. Thank you. Now, online, if that's you, that's including you too. Just write, I'm in. I'm in. And then church, can we pray along with everybody who raised their hand and everybody who wants to get right with God? Let's say out loud together. Let's say, Jesus, I give you my life. I know I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've done some things I'm ashamed for. But I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe your word that says he died on the cross to give me a new start. Will you forgive me, Lord? I am going to be a new person starting today because you have forgiven me. Father, let me live on calling with you as Lord of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen.